This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Good morning. How are you? I, um, about a week ago, I was watching, we pretty well, it, when you're in the ministry, you, you know how schedules are. Well, maybe you don't know, but you know. Um, and we DVR everything that we, that we like to watch because we can never watch anything live. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We just watch it at our leisure. And when I do watch something live with commercials, I just go insane. Why are there so many commercials? Because I've gotten so used to scanning through them. Anybody with me? And, um, but the other night, um, I turned off the, uh, I paused the program, and I went to get something out of the dryer. Yes, I do my laundry. Um, I know, applaud me for that. Um, and it said on the screen, when I paused it, it said, the truth is already out there. Along the screen at the bottom, and I thought, well, that must be the name of that episode, which I have no idea. It doesn't fit that episode, but whatever. I went back about 20 minutes later. I went to get a glass of iced tea or something and paused it again. And the same message, and I, I brought it to my wife's attention. I said, this episode must be called The Truth is Already Out There. So when the episode finished, I looked in the index, and that was not the name of the episode. And I still don't know, and I've never seen that type of lettering when I pause a program on our TiVo thing ever before. And I'm, I'm not a spooky, weirdo guy. Well, some of you think I am, but I'm really not. But I, 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 but I kept saying, I kept thinking, duh, maybe the Lord's talking to me. And I was just thinking of some of the things that were shared today. You know, the truth is already out there. And the truth always trumps the facts. Now, we're not brain-dead people. We don't live in an existence where we don't see what's going on in our three-dimensional world. But there's another dimension, as old Yungi Cho said years ago. There's a fourth dimension, and it's the realm of the kingdom of God. Amen? And the Spirit of God. And the truth is already out there. And truth is absolute, and it does not change, and it will not fail. Amen? Therefore, he will. If, if it could change, if it was relative to culture and what we thought... And I could hear that in your cry and your prayer during your time of fasting and prayer. If it could change, how many of you know we couldn't believe the gospel? Because we wouldn't know what even kind of a mood God would be in today. Amen? But truth says his mercies are new every morning. Amen? And great is his faithfulness. Anybody with me today? Hallelujah. I want to share an exhortation with you as a setup for tonight. By the way, I love these. Um, I'm going to go and take a look at them and see what they are. But Susan and I were just talking, this would look so cool, but I don't know if they would survive my grandchildren at church. I really don't know if they could make it. But anyway, aren't those cool? I love cool place anyway. But God is cooler, amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you would, if you have your Bibles, to 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, I'm going to read a few passages with you today, and I, I really sense the Lord told me to share this with this church this weekend, and a lot of it has to do with kind of a setup for tonight. But it's also for a lifestyle that God's called us to live in. And, and I want us to go back to the beginning of when we came to the Lord and what happened in our lives. So if you would turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. And let's look at an all familiar passage beginning with verse number 4. Coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. Everybody say a spiritual house. How many of you know the brick and mortar here is not the house of God? Beside you is the house of God. Amen? Living stones, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood 
to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Is anybody happy that we do not drag animals in here today and shed a bunch of blood that make a sacrifice so we can come before God? How many of you glad? But there is a sacrifice we do offer, and that is the sacrifice. You might know the word in this church. The sacrifice of praise. Amen? That's the sacrifice that pleases God. Therefore, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. How many of you believe? I want you to wave at me. I mean, you can't put your hand up on this one. You've, we're going to have an altar call. Are we believers in this room today? Amen. All right, now, now, now this, so it's talking to you. I want you to get this. He who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. And as the verse my, my wife shared beautifully earlier, the Lord, the rebellious, remain in a parched land. I'll tell you, that word came to me a few years ago when I was in a parched place, and I thought it was God's fault, and I realized it was my rebellion that I was in a parched place. Amen? Hallelujah. Therefore, to you who believe, say, that's me. He is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word. Say disobedient to the word. To which they were also appointed, but you say, but me, we are what? A chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Say this out loud with me. Go ahead. A holy nation his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light who once were not a people but are now the people of God who have not obtained mercy but now you have obtained mercy hallelujah we were nothing but now we're the people of God is anybody glad for that today and really your main purpose in life is to get out of darkness, get into light, and proclaim His excellencies in every area of life, not just on Sunday morning, but to proclaim His excellencies. The Lord has been really ministering to me that it's time for the priesthood to get into position. Part of the Reformation from years ago was the understanding of the priesthood of all believers, that the royal, the word priest was not for some minister wearing a collar and wearing jewelry and Shaking incense, it was a term used for the saints of God who knew how to minister unto the Lord. Amen? And through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can minister as his priesthood before God. And we can minister to him in his glory. And that's what God's calling us to. And he's not coming for a bride who doesn't know him. He's the one that used the romantic language, did he not? He's a bridegroom and we're a bride. And there's the intimacy that it needs to be there. Now, Hebrews declares that by the blood we have confidence to access the very holy place of God. And that we're to hold fast to our confession without wavering. Did you know Jesus is a high priest over the words of your mouth? By your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. You'll give an account for that. He is the high priest over the very words of our mouth. Now, with that in mind, go with me to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 24. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. 
How many of you know we can't do that for each other if we're never together? Hello. We, 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 we can't stir each other up in love over Facebook. I'm sorry. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Everybody say that word. Say it out loud. The assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more. Say so much more as you see the day approaching. It's harder than ever to get saints to get together. Because of our schedules and the culture we live in. And yet the Bible says as the day draws closer, we all need to be all the more committed to being together. Amen? As the body of Christ. And I'm going to show you the purpose in that in just a moment. Now this passage tells us that we have Jesus as a great high priest over the house of God. Again, is this a physical house? No, it's a spiritual house. He is the high priest over this spiritual house, telling us that we can draw near by faith by the blood. Now, the spiritual house of God was first revealed to us in the book of Genesis. It was revealed to Jacob in a dream. He had a revelation of the house of God. The Bible says Jacob was in a certain place. And in that place, he had a dream. Most of you are familiar with this. You remember the dream? And he saw a ladder that was set on earth that extended to heaven. And above that ladder, the Lord stood as Lord over that ladder. And you remember what was going up and down that ladder? Talk to me, y'all. Angels, ministering spirits of God, the angelic army of God, were going up and down the ladder from heaven to earth. God stood above the ladder, and he blessed the land on which Jacob lied. Because Jacob had just been taking a nap in the outdoors, frankly, on a rock. His head was on a rock. And you think your pillow's rough. And... And he's waiting there before the Lord. He has this dream. But the Lord also said, your descendants, Jacob, will bless all the families of the earth. Will be blessed to your descendants. And so this powerful dream happens and Jacob awakens. And if you, if you could turn quickly to Genesis 28, look at this verse with me. Genesis 28, verse 17. As he awoke, he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than, say it out loud with me, the house of God and... The gate of heaven. Everybody say that with me. The house of God and the gate of heaven. Not either or. The house of God is the gate of heaven. You get that? Very important. Then Jacob arose early in the morning. And he took the stone that he had put at his head. And he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. Bethel. Meaning the house of God. Newsflash for you. There was no building there. There was no structure there. This was the first revelation we had of the house of God. Now, if we go over to the gospel of John, you can turn there to John chapter 1. Most of you are familiar with this story. We're fast forwarding now to the time of Jesus walking on the earth. And Philip was quite the evangelist. And he went up to Nathanael and he said, We have found him, Jesus of Nazareth, of whom the prophets have spoken. And, and if you'll remember, Nathanael said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Okay? Now some of you have said that about certain areas of Memphis. Or neighborhoods you used to live in. or what? Can anything good come out of there? On that side of the tracks. Or whatever you want to say. We've all got our prejudices. But Dan Nathanael was just speaking his heart. Really? Nazareth? I don't, you know, Fraser? I don't know. Olive branch, branch. <laughs> and when he and, and I love what Philip says. He says, "Come and see." 
Kind of like, come check it out for yourself. And as he's approaching, Jesus sees him and he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Meaning, there's no deceit in his heart. He kind of like, he spoke what he meant. And he meant what he spoke. You, you with me? And he, he spoke in his heart. You might have thought that it disqualified him. And Jesus was going to dress him down about his Nazareth comment. What's wrong with my part of the hood, right? And he didn't. But he actually applauded him for being honest and open in his heart. And then Nathaniel goes, how do you know me? And Jesus said, I saw you previously when you were under the fig tree. And Nathaniel immediately believed. That word of knowledge caused that man to believe that Jesus was the real deal. He said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And then Jesus marveled that he believed over a word of knowledge. But I want to get to something here. Go with me to John 1. Go to verse 50. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, We're going to see greater things than this. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, We're going to see greater things than this. I was in a prayer meeting when we first got to Arizona with the plant team. And we were meeting in Brian and Carolyn's living room, praying and seeking God. And we had some phenomena that night that can only be described as supernatural. We were literally could sense something was going on. And I looked over at Stephen Sims. And he said, he looked at me and he goes, we're not alone. Because he heard it too. It was like a whoosh or something. And, and, and again, I, this is not something that would, would, would be considered normal. But later on that night, the Lord told me, he said, ask me for Nathaniel's promise. The promise I made to Nathaniel. In other words, if I made the promise to Nathaniel, then that promise is yes to you also because you're in Christ Jesus. Right? And so I began to study this a little bit more. And look what he said to him. You will see greater things than these. Most assuredly, some translations say truly, truly. How I many you know, if you see a truly, truly in the Bible, you need to underline it. Because Jesus is saying you need to get this. Come on. Assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open. Say heaven open. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Is that not amazing? And now you might think, what is this about and what does this mean? When healings and ministry takes place, anytime we're together, the heavens are open. Things are happening. Whether you believe it or not, when we were worshiping God, angels have filled this room. I'm not talking about your wife. Angels have filled this room because this is the gate of heaven. Amen? God intended this was what church would be like. Amen? Where the supernatural of God breaks upon our natural. Amen? Hallelujah. In Matthew 16, Jesus is asking his disciples, he's saying, who do men say that I am? And they got all kinds of answers, if you'll remember the story. And then he looked at him and said, but who do you guys say that I am? And Peter, who was always the first to speak, said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Remember what he said? He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I've had people ask me, why do you believe in Jesus? What convinced you? You grew up in a religious system where you didn't really ever sense God until you became an adult. I mean, why, do you, why did you believe it or whatever? And I just said this. I've learned to say this. It wasn't about me being explained it. It wasn't about me being through my cognitive thinking, being convinced of Jesus. I just know I believe, therefore I'm blessed. And if you believe in him, you're blessed. Amen? 
you were blessed because, see, flesh and blood didn't convince you to believe. Amen? Really, even the signs and wonders don't really convince you to believe. But God himself convinces you that he is the real deal. Amen? Jesus is Lord. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah and the soon and coming King. Amen? Hallelujah. I believe that. And you're blessed if you believe. So Jesus tells him that he's blessed. But then he says, Simon, which his name meant a reed, like a reed in the wind. He said, I now say your name is Peter, a rock. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And what else is going to happen? And the gates of hell itself will not prevail against the church. Now, we've got that backwards a lot of times in the way it's taught. It's like we're hunkering down and hell won't be able to get in here. No, it's the other way around. Hell can't resist what we're doing in the name of the Lord. Amen? Come on. That's the language in the Greek. It doesn't mean the other way around. It means hell is fearing the day that we rise up and understand who we are as the royal priesthood of God. Amen? And begin to go into the territory that he has taken. And he says this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth shall it be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose upon the earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now, let's break this down for a minute. You are blessed if you believe. How many believers in here are blessed? Hallelujah. You are now a rock. You're a living stone that God is fitting together. And when God fits us together, we are the church. The spiritual house of God. Are y'all still staying on track with me here? And with that, there's keys that have been given. And in those keys, it opens heaven. So that heaven can reveal itself upon the earth. And here's the beautiful part. If you and I can get into agreement, he'll be in the very midst of us. The king will be in the very midst of us if we will agree. Now that word doesn't simply mean, well, I accept that. The word is a Greek word, symphonio, and it means to sound the same. It's the word we get for symphony. How many of you know when instruments are together in a symphony and everybody's playing the same song, it's beautiful. But if everybody's tuning and playing little ditties on their own, it sounds horrible. Some of y'all have been there. You know, before the show starts or the band walks out on the field, you're like, oh, get me out of here. There's disharmony and clanging and nothing's in sync. But when there's a symphony in the body of Christ of oneness of what we believe and what we're saying and our praise, and we're in one accord, Jesus said, I'm right in the middle of all of that. Amen? I will manifest myself in that today. And I'm, how many can want to believe God with me for that tonight? Amen? How about today? Hallelujah. I want to say this to you. I believe there's no reason for a believer to not live under an open heaven. There's no evidence in anything in the Word that tells me that it won't, these keys won't always work. It's just not in the Scripture. What have we, what have we been praying by the Lord's direction for 2,000 years? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Are we on earth here? Is olive branch on earth? On earth as it is in heaven. That's the call of God. That's the prayer of the saints, of the priesthood of God. To live under that open heaven. And we've got to catch a revelation that not only is Jesus the Christ and the son of the living God. He's the high priest over the house of God, the household of God, the family of God. He's also the mediator of a new covenant. And we're responsible as the royal priesthood to assume our position because we're on earth. Are y'all with me? I don't need keys to the kingdom after I die and go to heaven. Because I'm not going to be locked out. Amen? <laughs> Please, Lord. 
I'm not going to need keys. That's not what this is about. This is about what we do now, say now, as the royal priesthood of Almighty God. The latter, I'd never caught this before when I would, when, when I would even teach on it. I never caught the language before because I always thought about the ladder, that the ladder, God, you know, if he favored us today, he would extend the ladder and angels would come into the room and the Holy Spirit would come and Jesus might come too. And things would start happening and ooh and ah. I used to think the ladder was extended by God and then I went back and I read it and it says the ladder was set on earth extending to heaven. The Lord spoke to me. He said to tell my people, ladders up. Amen. Get your ladders up. Hallelujah. It's time. I believe the Lord intends to accomplish a work in our days. Is anybody with me? I really do believe he intends to do that. You know, Paul is the one that made that statement in Acts chapter 13. When about the time he was turning from the Jewish people to turn fully to the Gentiles at that time. And, and he told them, he said, those of you who scoff and despise that God's going to do a work. You will marvel and perish. In other words, you'll see the work, but you won't be able to enter into it. He said, for I will work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though you were told and described to you, though it was described to you. Can you how many of you know, don't want to be on that side? I don't want to be on the scoffer side of the aisle. God is going to do a work in our generation. Amen? And that's what we have to believe. I believe we need to be salt. I believe we need to be light. Anybody with me? We need to testify. We need to be soul winners. We need to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Are you with me? We need to heal the sick and cast out demons and raise the dead and do all that stuff. We're to live our lives on go, go, go. Amen? On mission. I believe that. But I also believe that it must come from a relationship of worship. Here's the reason. You can, do, you can either do work for God or do work with God. And I can't do anything with God if I don't ever seek God. Amen? I, it comes from my seeking of God that I understand what the Father's doing, what the Father's saying, and I'm able to work in synchrony. How I many you know it's a lot easier to do the work of God with Him than just do it for Him? And Jesus actually referred to it as the difference between being a slave or a friend. He said in John's gospel, he said, I no longer call you slaves or servants. I call you friends. Do you remember what he said? Because the slave doesn't know what his master is doing. He just does it with blind obedience. But I call you friends because all the things the Father has shown me, I have imparted them to you. Jesus has called us into an hour of a friendship and a deepening of that friendship so that we can work with God. Anybody want to work with God? I mean, I've done the working for God. I've done a lot more working for God than with Him. I'm being honest. But I want to work more and more with Him. But that means I have to be more and more intimate with Him as His priest. Amen? And walk with Him. We also need to be aware of what He's doing. And, and I believe He wants us to know. Isaiah, the famous scripture we hear a lot. Behold, I will do a new thing. How many ready for something new? Amen? I mean, you've been ministering as long as I have. You're ready for something new. A new thing I will do. But he said, before it springs forth, I proclaim it. I mean, that's how the prophetic works. God proclaims it before it will spring forth. And so when the prophet said, I'm going to do a new thing. But then he says, well, and he asked this question, will you be aware of it? Will we be aware? And God wants to impart to us prophetically in a way where we are on, in tune and in sync with what he is doing. 
Another word that the Lord kept giving me was about restoration. The Bible says Jesus is not returning until there's been a restoration of all things. And I don't know, but if you could really look back over the time of the past century, it was a marvelous time of restoration in the church. Was it not? If you go back to like Azusa Street and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues and, and the gifts of the Spirit. And then we moved into the latter rain movement and the healing revival years of the healing evangelists and the word of faith movement and the various prayer movements. And the, how about the restoration of praise and worship and the tabernacle of David. And all these things are being restored. And the Lord spoke to me though and he said, I didn't restore that thing for just that decade or a few years. It was to remain restored to the whole of my church and all I've been called to do. Amen? So here's the problem. And we even use the language. The Lord told me, he said, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now, how many of you know streams flow into the river? Right? If, if, the, if the mighty river is flooding, then you see the streams back up also. Because they're flowing into the river. Right? The mighty Mississippi has many tributaries and streams and rivers flowing into it. And by the time it gets to Memphis and down to the Gulf, it is a mighty torrent of a river. It's America's drainage ditch. And it's a mighty thing. But the Lord spoke to me. He said, many of my people are camped out at streams. Well, we'll even use that language, will we not? Well, they're kind of of the, uh, they're kind of of the word of faith camp. And, you know, that's the intercessor prayer camp guys over there. And those are the Baptists over there. They got a deep river because they got to keep putting people in water. And, and let me tell you something. God never intended to bring these tributaries in to where we would camp along the streams. He said, get in the river. And that's the full expression of what I have been restoring. Amen? Because the last point of restoring is the glory of the Lord in a way like we've never seen before. Amen? And I tell you, it's going to take all those streams together, together to make that happen. Anybody with me? Does it make sense? Hallelujah. Yeah, we got a word in our prayer time at the beginning of the year. The streams are pleasant, but the river is mighty. Amen? Hallelujah. Everything we've seen restored, God intends to be fully flowing in the church in the last days. Amen? He's coming for a bride who is ready, a church that is glorious. Well, how are we going to be glorious without glory? And that's what we need to contend for. The royal priesthood must assume their positions. There's a passage I want to take you to in Psalm 24, verse number 6 with me, if you would. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him. How many want to be a part of that generation who seeks him? Who seeks your face? Lift up your heads, O you gates. Now, I don't know about you, but has anybody ever seen a gate with a head on it? If you have, don't visit those people. Nero probably lives there or something. I don't know. Are y'all with me? So obviously we're not talking about physical gates and doors. Are y'all with me? He's talking about his people. Look at it again. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory, say it with me, shall come in. Hallelujah. Who is the king of glory? Say it with me. Come on, loudly. The Lord. Strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift your heads, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. I like that last one, the Lord of hosts. 
who are the host? The mighty angel, the mighty angel armies of God. Oh, I can't say that. The mighty angel armies of God. He's the Lord over that. We say hosts religiously. We don't think about what we're saying. He is the Lord over this majestic army. We could say he's the Lord over the ladder. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, when you go back to Hebrews, you see that we're told we have this great cloud of witnesses. We're also told that these men and women of faith that have gone before us and what they believed for can't be fulfilled except through us. That's why they're the cloud of witnesses to us. But then Hebrews goes to great detail to say, we did not, we have not come to Mount Sinai. How many glad we don't come to the law at Sinai? How many know that there was glory in that? But there's a greater glory at Mount Zion. And I want to close with this today because every time we gather to worship, and when we gather tonight, the Lord kept speaking to me, do you realize what you're coming to? He kept saying that to me, driving out here. Do, tell my people, do they realize what they're coming to? You know, if we're the gate of heaven, all right, if, if we're the people of God that open the gates of praise, and there's so many scriptures I could give you that confirm that, but if we're that people that stand before God to see heaven come and invade, the Lord kept telling me, do we fully understand what we've really come to? And sometimes we can religiously limit what we've come to, to a few songs, a sermon, and an altar call. But nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, but there's dimensions of God that he wants to do. Let me show this to you. He describes it, what we come to. Let this sink in as we read it. Are you ready? Hebrews 12, 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. To an innumerable company of angels. To the general assembly and the church. Say the church. Of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. To God, the judge of all. To the spirits of just men made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better than that of Abel. This is what we've come to. Y'all see that? Did you know his blood still speaks? From the holy place, the blood still speaks. It says, come with confidence into my presence. Amen? Yes, you're forgiven, but it's much more than that. You have access by that blood. Amen? See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him, who spoke from earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. See, he's calling his bride back. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. And this yet once more indicates the removal of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken how many of you glad let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire how awesome is this place how many believe it's awesome why because when you and I are together this is the house of God and, get, and you know what? You can meet in your small group and be a gate of heaven. Amen? Because Jesus said two or more. 
I like it when the room's full, but it's not, it's not about that. It's about the unity when we understand who we are. How many of you want to lift up your heads today? I'll tell you, there's something powerful about our posture before the Lord as he wants to release his glory into an atmosphere in heaven as we worship God. And I just want to encourage you, realize what we're coming to. We're coming to God. We're coming to Jesus. We're coming to myriads of angels. We're coming to the kingdom of God between heaven and on earth. Amen? As we worship him, he inhabits our praises. It's really not complicated. Lift up your heads and lift up a shout and praise the Lord. And the king of glory will come in. And that's why we always end up after praising like that in worship. Because the king is near. He's near us. He's close to us. And we want to bow before him in such a way of worship and adoration before him. I want to encourage you. David, who, had a man after, who was a man after God's heart, David did not go through life without problems. Some of his psalms, he is in desperate straits, crying out. But, but his mouth would say things like this. Though the enemy has got me surrounded, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Amen? He would declare God's protection. But then he made this statement. He said, but there's one thing that I want. There's one thing that I desire. And as the priesthood of God, this has got to be our one thing. That I may what? Dwell in the house. Again, it's not a building. Dwell with the family of God all the days of my life. And behold the beauty and glory of the Lord. You may want to behold his beauty and his glory. See, that's what David said I long for. He goes on to say, and he'll lift me up above my enemies. I tell you, there's no better perch when you're in the midst of a battle than to be able to see things from above. Amen? And I'll raise you up. And then he says later in that, by the way, this is Psalm 27. I want you to meditate on it this afternoon before we come back here. The whole Psalm, Psalm 27. Everybody got that? Say it with me. And then he says this, your spirit said, seek my face. And my heart said to you, O Lord, your face I will seek. And I believe the truth is already out there. I believe he's already saying, seek me. Seek me. Would you stand up? Would you lift your face to heaven right now? Just lift your face to heaven. Lift your hands. If you're comfortable with that, you ought to be. Hallelujah. 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 Say this with me very loudly. The Lord is good. And his mercies endure forever. The king of glory is in our midst. For he is the Lord. Strong and mighty. Hallelujah. He is the Lord. Strong and mighty. Hallelujah. He is the Lord. Strong and mighty. Hallelujah. 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 I want us to sing this song of devotion to the Lord. I want to say to some of you here today, 
I, I know how the enemy lies to people. Oh, the stuff I've been going through and everything. Again, read the Psalms. You are nothing special. I tell you, you may be in the middle of a parched place, but the Lord, from the beginning of the altar today, the Lord has been prophesying He's bringing you out of that parched place. And I believe nothing's more fitting as we wrap up today just to set our hearts for this afternoon and this evening to say, Lord, I desire your beauty. I wrote this song mainly from Psalm 27, and I want to begin to sing this song over you, and I want you just to begin to worship the Lord. But I want to say to you today, the grace of Jesus Christ through his blood that was shed for you says his grace and his might and strength will shine upon you. He will shine upon you. You don't have to measure up in the man's way, but receive the position you have as his righteous ones. Let's worship him together. To behold your beauty. Behold your majesty And to know the love that you have for me While gazing in your face Jesus, how I love you Jesus, I adore you, and I bow my heart to worship you, oh Lord, I seek your face, to behold your beauty. your majesty for all the love that you have for me I'm gazing in your face Jesus how I love you I adore you and I bow my heart to worship you Lord I seek your face Lord I seek your face face shines on me your face shines on me your face shines on me and it's lovely your face shines on me your face shines on me your face shines on me and it's shines on me and it's lovely your face shines on me your face shines 
shines on me. And it's holy. Every voice say it. Lift it up. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.